It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, welcome to another Friday discussion. Eric, I am, I'm actually, I love Jesus. You, you know that. I, I know it's a, it's, a, it's a surprise. Uh, I know. Oh, I, this is a curveball. You're throwing <laughs> One of the things I've noticed, though, as I look at culture is just the, uh, I think, I think Leonard Ravenhill actually said it well. He says, we're more afraid of holiness in today's culture than we are of sin. Huh. That, that as a church, and of course he said this several decades ago, but as you look at the modern church, it's interesting that Jesus is to be everything, that we are to be fully given over to him and we're to be walking in the reality of the word. Mm. And yet culturally, it actually seems like the church isn't doing that. So Paul says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we are actually indwelt by God himself. And yet it actually seems like the church isn't living that way. So could you even just start, if I can just use that as maybe the foundation, seems like there's a missing ingredient. It seems like we're we're lacking something as a culture in in terms of Christian culture, in terms of what does it actually mean to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And I think it's it's two key things that have, in a sense, gone missing in Christianity. Not totally, like we're very familiar with them. And I know there's a lot of others that are listening that are familiar, but it's interesting as a whole, they're harder to teach on. They press buttons and people get a little uncomfortable. Just like you're saying, they're, they're like afraid of holiness, as if it's a negative thing, as if it's legalism. Holiness is legalism. God's holy. So how does that happen? Uh, and the Holy Spirit, that's his name. Uh, he's the one that's actually bringing life to us. And yet we, there is a certain paranoia because of misunderstanding. And, and probably abuse, too, from, from history I past agree. where yeah. I want to walk in holiness, and so I create rules and regulations, yep. which is legalism. Yep, it so. is. And so I know where it comes from. Yeah. Uh, but the two ingredients, I would say, so if we said, what is the missing ingredient? I almost want to make it two. But it would be the fear of God and then full consecration. And so let's unpack those maybe. That could be the best idea is truly to understand the gravity of what it means to be the dwelling place of God to start with. Because I think many of us take it lightly. And a good Jew really has a tough time with a sloppy Christian. Because a good Jew would say, God is holy. There is no way he would enter you and make you his dwelling place. That is so opposite of the nature of God. I mean, anybody, I mean, not just a, A not just even just a Jew, (laughs) but let alone a Gentile. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. A Gentile who lives like that (laughs) because their idea of holiness is actually very, very high. We as Christians don't oftentimes have the same height to our understanding of holiness. And I was listening to a, a rabbi walk through the understanding of uh, of a Jew's perspective on holiness, and that is that you know God takes certain things and he sets them apart for his special use. He consecrates it or he separates it out and makes it holy unto himself. And so like the entire universe is separated out for him. But out of that universe, there's this one solar system in which earth is. And he says, out of all the solar systems, I choose this one. He sets it apart for himself. Out of all the earth, 
that he he chooses. He chooses our solar system and then picks Earth out of it. And then out of all that Earth, he picks this one territory and says, that's mine. And it's called the land of promise, the holy land. It's set apart for his purposes. And then out of all that holy land, there's one little parcel that is more holy than any other, and it's Jerusalem. It's called the holy city. It's set apart for God's purposes. You think about all the things that happen in Jerusalem I mean, throughout the ages. But just in looking the gospel, it's like his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I mean, wow, a lot happened right there. Even the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And his return. And his uh, return. I mean, which, there's a... Which obviously hasn't happened yet. Just there's, Yeah, just, clarity. just so we clarify <laughs> that. There's a lot that has happened there. It's set apart for to reveal his glory. Right. But then even out of that one plot of land known as Jerusalem, there's one plot of land within that plot of land that is more holy than the rest of this, the holy city, and that is the Temple Mount where the temple of God was built. And then out of that temple mount, there's three gradients. There's the outer court, there's the inner court where only the consecrated priests could come. And then, oh, wow, the Holy of Holies. It's very well named. And uh, that place is where God Almighty himself dwells. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the most holy man out of all the culture, which would be the high priest in their mind, would come into that most holy place and speak the most holy word, which was the name of God. And uh, there, the legend has it, this isn't in scripture, but the legend would have it that not just if that, that high priest entered into that most holy place where the very presence of God dwelt and he had any sin on him, that it's not just that he would die, but that the entire world would be destroyed. Or maybe it was even the entire universe would be destroyed. It's very severe. And I think for most of us, we don't have that thought process towards the severity of God's uh, righteousness and his wrath towards sin. We don't understand it because we understand the grace of God, the love and the mercy of God, but we don't understand why Jesus had to die, why that had to fall upon him. And I think it's actually good for us to go through that exercise to recognize when we say, no, we're the temple of the holy God, of the living God. What we're saying, that that dread presence of God where sin cannot participate, sin cannot be there, is actually us. And so I would say, what is that secret ingredient that unlocks this indwelling of Christ? What is it that we're missing today? fear of God. It's the holy trembling of saying, wow, God almighty wants to move inside of me. What would that mean? What would it mean if light moved into a dark place? Well, darkness would lose. Anything that's hidden would be exposed. And that's what we are literally saying when we come to God and say, God, I welcome you to move in. And that second ingredient was full consecration. It's like, God, take what you purchased. Here I am. Use me for your purposes. Could you really quickly differentiate between Fear of God. I know when some people hear that, they're thinking, I'm, I'm scared, and so yeah. therefore I run away. Yeah. That's actually what we're not talking yeah. about. Could you maybe impress on that? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing, I think, for us to understand, especially with the terminology, because fear is a negative thing, and God even commands us not to fear. But then the fear of God is an important ingredient. One of the best ways that I've ever really gripped what the fear of God is, is the understanding of like, okay, here's daddy, and here's... Uh, my little five-year-old, okay? I don't have a five-year-old anymore, but let's use that as an illustration. And my little five-year-old is a lot smaller than me. And daddy has the ability to crush a five-year-old. I do. I have a lot of dad strength. And yet that five-year-old desires to wrestle with me. Why would that five-year-old desire to wrestle with me? Well, it's because even though I'm more powerful and I could crush him, he 
trusts my nature and he trusts my character and he feels safe within my strength. It's a fascinating thing that a child would feel comfortable wrestling with a dad in the first place. If you think about that, that's a strange thought. We take it for granted, but that's like the fear of God. And if I were to be playing with my my child and I were to go like, Hurrah! and do one of those dad types of things, you know, where you try and it's a, it's a, it's not a real terror. It's a fun terror, if you want to say it that way. My child may scream, and you know what they do? They oftentimes will not run away. They'll run straight into the shadow of the father and grab his legs. And it's a strange thought, but that's exactly what we're talking about with the fear of God. Wow, is he awesome. Wow, is he powerful. He could crush me. He could send me to hell, but he is good. And he delights to save, and his mercy triumphs over his judgment, and he has called me his child. And so therefore, even when we see the awesome demonstrations of his power in our life, of his holiness in our life, we run straight to his legs and to his presence, and we find a retreat and a refuge instead of fleeing away screaming. Mm, I love that imagery. Mm. And when we come back to this idea of even the consecration, even that word, when you you break it down, is this idea of with separation. And what what God is desiring to do in our life is to bring about that holiness, that set apartness that, that we as believers are not to look like the culture around us, that yeah. that we actually should be marked by the presence of God in such a way that as we're walking and living through life, the culture goes, you're not one of us. Mm. In other words, there's, there's such a separation, yeah. which is what you actually see in the life of Jesus, mm-hmm. that as he's living his life, people are recognizing he's actually not one of us. He's, he's yeah. somewhere outside of that. Yeah. And it's such a good reminder that in our own lives, we desperately need that transforming work of grace where all that junk and all the stuff we tend to hide or keep in the shadows must be removed. And we've, we've used this illustration here before too, but love this idea that when Jesus is birthed, uh, when he's being born, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. He should yeah. be born in the greatest palaces yeah. or in at least a good hospital. <laughs> and yet God allowed him to be born in a stable. Yeah. So here's the God of the universe being born in this muckety, lowly, stable. And I think it's such a great picture of our lives that God is willing to be birthed in us and and full of our sin, full of our junk. And yet the reality is he refuses to leave us that way. And there was, it's not that we got to clean ourselves up so that we can be approved by God. That's not holiness. That's, that's legalism. But the reality is, even though he's willing to be birthed inside of our lives with all the junk, with all the sin, while while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, yeah. right? So I'm shaking my fist in rebellion, and Christ said, "I can't. You, you need me." Yeah. And so He does the work. So He's willing to be born in this stable, this place yeah. of muck, known as Nathan. And yet His desire is to make me a temple that yeah. He wants to purge, He wants to remove, and He zealously guards His temple, in which you mm-hmm. actually see in the Gospels mm-hmm. that He's willing to build a whip and drive out everything that does not belong, which yeah. probably did not feel good uh, to those money changers. <laughs> yeah. And that's true about conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at times, it just does not feel yeah. good when we're going through that sanctification process. And yet, it's for our good. And it's, it's such a beautiful, uh, redeeming reality when that junk is being purged so that uh, we can be fully given over to him. When God moves in, and I think many of many people know it theoretically that God is inside of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, uh, oh, the Holy Spirit lives in you, but they don't fathom what it really means. I, I think that was true with me growing up in the church. I heard all that, but I didn't actually com- comprehend that God actually wanted to make me his temple. Mm. Like in actuality, his spirit wanted to move in. And I remember A.W. Tozier 
basically saying, hey, guys, he owns that body of yours. And if he owns it, give him the keys. Let him in. You're no longer the master of the estate. Let him come in. And I would say that would be my exhortation, I think, to all of us, and even to you and I afresh. It's just to remember, to rekindle, to refresh that idea that we are not our own. Today is not my day to do what I want to with it. We, we oftentimes wake up and we immediately grab our day. And we're like, okay, what do I feel like doing? Instead of saying, God, this isn't about me anymore. You own me. This day is yours. This is the day you have made. Show me what you want to do with it. And oftentimes what he wants to do with our day is very different than what we would do with our day. But it's better. It's a more joy-filled, love-infused version of living. But I think we need to just freshly remember that we are not our own. And the best response to that is to stand in awe and wonder that the God of the universe has condescended to make this his home. Holy, holy, holy God has made this his home. That's awe-striking. That's the fear of God right there that should just fill us. But then what does he deserve? He deserves a full consecration. God, all of me. I don't want to hold anything back. I want you to have every aspect of my life. Please take it. Mm. And that's such a great reminder too that this is not just a one-time consecration. Mm -hmm. The reality is it's a, it is a daily, it is a moment by moment surrender or abiding or or dependency, whatever the term someone wants to use. I've just constantly given ourselves over to Jesus that I'm I'm walking into a conversation. It's like, Hey Lord, uh, these are, this is your lips. uh, This is your life. Use this in this conversation or whatever the scenario may be. Um, We, I think we so desperately need this in our culture and it, I like what you said. If if there's like one missing ingredient, which is ingredients uh, of what does it mean to be the dwelling place of God? Uh, we need Jesus yeah. and we need to be fully consecrated yeah. to him. Amen. So it's Amen. beautiful. Thanks, Eric. So good. Daily Thunder is a listener supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellersley.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.